the Memorare. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to your protection, implored your help, or sought your intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly to you, O Virgin of Virgins, my mother. To you I come, before you I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in your mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. All across the Gulf South, it's 7 a.m. Time to wake up on Catholic Community Media. Good morning, you're listening to Wake Up. On this beautiful Thursday morning, you are tuning your heart to the truth. I'm Gabby Smith, along with Damian Colado and David Dawson. Hey guys, happy hey. Thursday. Yes, happy last day of November. Oh wow, it is. Oh, you're right. Ooh, wow. Okay. Wow. December is on its way. That'd be tomorrow. I'm excited. Wow. All right then. Me too. I was excited <laughs> to have Thanksgiving, and now Advent and Christmas... Here we go. Man, almost some of the best times of the year. It is. It, it is. is. It's our jam. And and on top of that, today is the feast day of St. Andrew. Yep. What what better way to follow Christ than to follow St. Andrew? That's right. Yeah. Put, you your nets, put your nets down and yeah. get going. All right, right. So let's say a prayer on his behalf in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Oh, glorious St. Andrew, you were the first to recognize and follow the Son of God. With your friend, St. John, you remained with Jesus for your entire life and now throughout eternity. Just as you led your brother, St. Peter, to Christ and many others after him, draw us also to him. Teach us how to lead them solely out of love for Jesus and dedication to his service. Help us to learn the lesson of the cross and carry our daily crosses without complaint so that they may carry us to God, the Almighty Father. St. Andrew, help us and teach us how to be fishers of men. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. He's the patron saint of fishermen. Of course, makes I mean, sense. you would assume that. Makes, you makes know. sense. Yeah. And as we were talking yeah. earlier off, off microphone, uh, the Scottish flag is St. Andrew's cross because he was crucified on an X-shaped cross. And so that's their, mm. that's their flag. It's blue with a white X. So there's your mm-hmm. education for the day. That's all you're getting out of it. We don't even need a Saint of the Day segment. We, no, Dave's just no. told us everything we need that's, to know. That's all you're getting. Um, Sorry, I'm, I'm tapped out. <laughs> we have a wonderful lineup for you today, starting off with some events in our listening area at 10 after. We will give you details about. Again, you can find all of these events at our website calendar at ccmedia.live. In 18 minutes, Krista Thomas joins us. She's a publicist over at Tan Books, and we're going to be focusing on St. Alphonsus Liguori's writings on Advent and Christmas, but there's also a book that Tan has released written by St. Alphonsus Liguori. It's called The Road to Bethlehem. He didn't, you know, he his writings are in it. Yeah, he didn't title yeah. it, no. but the book is called The Road to Bethlehem, Daily Meditations for Advent and Christmas. So Krista is going to be giving us some insights on this wonderful book. Could make a really good Christmas gift as well. Mm. In 35 minutes, David Dawson Jr. joins us. He's a COO of Witness to Love, which is an international marriage catechumenate apostolate. Today we're talking about cooking in the kitchen with our family, trying new recipes, uh, and all that fun stuff. So looking forward to speaking to Dave. And in 48 minutes, Danielle Van Hout joins David and Damien in the studio. 
She is the Associate Director of Evangelization in the Diocese of Baton Rouge, and we're going to be focusing on the Eucharistic Revival in the Diocese and kind of get an update from Danielle on how that's going and what they have coming up. So looking forward to a wonderful lineup with some great guests today, Damien, and looking forward to your weather report. Well, no one else will be because it's going to be a (laughs) wet and chilly day to say the least. In fact, for the next two days, we're going to have rain rolling into our area off and on. In fact, the rain is already in the home of Thibodeau area, soon to be in New Orleans and Baton Rouge and the rest of our listening area. Uh, and it will be, as I said, off and on all the way through Saturday. High 65 today to low 61. Winds out of the southeast at, five, at 10 to 15 miles an hour. Tomorrow it's going to be hit and miss when it comes to the rain, 60% chance. And uh, high is going to be 79 tomorrow, believe mm. that. Wow. Okay. Temperatures right now, everybody in the 50s except Covington. It's 44. Good morning, a blessed feast of St. Andrew the Apostle. I'm Father Chris Decker, and today's gospel comes to us from Matthew chapter 4. As Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and his brother Andrew, casting a net into the sea. They were fishermen. He said to them, Come after me, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. He walked along from there and saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets. He called them, and immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. We've heard the gospel, and now we reflect. Jesus was on a search when he walked along the Sea of Galilee. He was looking for collaborators in his undoing of Adam's rebellion. Human sin, then, and humans, beings, will be called to obey now. In the words he saw, we could see a refrain from the opening chapter of Genesis, when God saw that it was good. The brothers Simon and Andrew were casting a net to capture the fish below. Their skill allowed them to explore the unreachable deep. Their faith allowed them to penetrate and proclaim the unreachable depths of God's mercy. Jesus called the brothers to follow him, and he will make them fishers of men. Notice he did not call them to any particular teaching or ideology, or to any school or philosophy or political party, or to any specific project undertaking, but to his own person. In other words, Jesus calls them to go where he goes, adhere to him, and to obey him, to share in his destiny. By taking this decisive first step, they will enter a new era of grace and divine companionship about which they could not perceive then, even with the foggiest insight. They will become part of a new creation that begins with answering the call of election. Like all Jesus' followers, we must become fishers of men. They will be given no material resources and no fancy strategies or game plans. They will catch men to the degree that they are transformed into Jesus' likeness. In this way, they will become instruments Jesus will use to draw men from the waters of death. Peter and Andrew responded immediately. What is our response? Have a wonderful day. This is Jimmy Sagers.
And we will do just that, Jimmy. And also, we hope you have a great day, no matter what the weather conditions may bring upon us. In the meantime, we have some events we want to share with you, in particular, St. Anselm Catholic Church in Madisonville. They're going to be hosting an Advent mission entitled Countdown to Christ, presented by Sister Judy Gamilla. It will be December 4th through the 6th, so that's beginning next week. Uh, it's going to be from 7 to 8 each night. There will be scripture, songs, stories, and a fresh look at the coming of Christ from three different perspectives. Hatched, which is Jesus' birth, <laughs> matched, a reception of Christ, and dispatched, the second coming of Christ. All right. Rather mm. creative, to matched, say the least. Matched and dispatched. All right. Yeah. Okay. So go to ccmedia.live for more info. There you go. Uh, the Feast of St. Lucy, in honor of the Feast of St. Lucy. Uh, patron saint of diseases of the eyes, Our Lady of Mercy Parish is going to celebrate a special Mass on Wednesday, December 13th. At noon, it's Wednesday, December 13th at noon. All eye care professionals and anyone experiencing illness or disease of the eye are encouraged to attend to receive a special blessing. I know I'm going to go because I am blind as a bat, Damien. I, I, mm. my, my eyes are horrible. And uh, then what they're going to have traditional St. Lucy bread. That's interesting. I'd, I'd like to know what that is. And that will also be distributed to, you know, the first time I saw one of the St. Lucy statues, it shook me up. Yeah. Have you ever seen one of those? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, wasn't ready yeah. for the eyeballs on the plate. Uh, yeah, but, well, it's yeah. an Italian uh, custom. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. It's St. Lucy yeah. bread. Mm-hmm. But nevertheless, yeah, I pray to her and I may go. So, oh, yeah, ccmedia.live. Go to, go to ccmedia. Go ahead, Gabby. <laughs> yeah, well, that's where you can go. You're right. So, there you go. St. Peter's Church in Covington continues their speaker spotlight in conjunction with their church parish Eucharistic Revival as Christine Baglow of the Clarion Herald will speak, or not Christine Baglow, Christine, she's not in the Clarion Herald. I'm thinking of Christine Bordelon. Yes. Christine Baglow will be speaking on the topic of making a Eucharistic home. The topic will begin at 9 a.m. on December 2nd. That is this Saturday. You can go to CC Media. Dot live. The, the, they're just, my brain's not connecting yeah, right got, now this morning. The... It's kind of sparking and doing weird things. So, Oh, this ought to be a go. fun show. Okay, uh, great. <laughs> well, you've heard us talk about St. Anthony's relics coming next week. Well, Padre Pio, he isn't going to be topped by St. Anthony, that's for sure. In fact, St. Padre Pio's relics are going to be venerated tonight at oh. 5 o'clock at Annunciation Catholic Church in Bugalusa. That's right. Five o'clock, there'll be adoration. Confession will be available at that time. Then at six o'clock, the Padre Pio prayer group from Nashville, they'll be there to talk about the various miraculous encounters, and there will also be praise and worship. Then at seven o'clock, there'll be confession again. And uh, after the talk, Padre Pio's prayer group and uh, the prayer and worship team will also be available for prayer. Father Angel will be available to pray over each individual with Padre Pio's glove. Wow. Veneration of the Holy Relics of St. Padre Pio will also be available during that time. So it's going to be an eventful evening, to say the least. Bring your rosaries, prayer cards, and other sacramentals to touch the Holy Relics. Your items will be considered third-class relics. relics. So there you go. Wow. Tonight, 5 o'clock, it all starts at Annunciation Catholic Church in Bogalusa. Bogalusa tonight. My goodness, that's short notice, but there it is. You know, that's that's pretty powerful, those uh, relics. Yeah. Uh, Catholic Charities of New Orleans needs volunteers to organize and box donations for refugee families. 
And this is at their location on 2505 Main Avenue in Metairie. So sign up to help with Christmas present organization and boxing on December the 6th through the 14th. Select one of the two shifts. That's 9 a.m. to 12 or 12 to 3.30 p.m. You can contact Eileen McGowan or you can go to ccmedia.live and get more information. Real quick, Young at Heart's retreat is December 9th. It's a Christmas spiritual retreat. It's going to be happening at the Christmas spiritual retreat, Fair Oaks House. The cost is $20 per person. And for more information, you can go to ccmedia.live. All right. Well, thank you for those events. And if you want more, just go to our website, ccmedia.live. As Gabby just said, we have a calendar that goes all the way through the end of the year. Mm -hmm. Click the day that you're interested in and the event, and you'll see all the information you need. Krista Thomas, publicist with Tan Books. She's coming our way next, so don't go too far. It's 15 after the hour on Wake Up. Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for November 30th. Today we celebrate Saint Andrew. The Gospels give us little information about today's saint. We know that he was the brother of Peter, and that the two of them, both fishermen, left their nets behind to follow Jesus. We learn that from Matthew's account. In John's Gospel, we learn that before the multiplication of the loaves, it was Andrew who spoke up about the boy who had the barley loaves and fishes. Today's saint seems to have been something of a leader among the apostles. His name is regularly given prominence among them. Legend has it that Andrew preached the good news in what is now Greece and Turkey, and that he was crucified in Greece. There are some accounts of his death on an X-shaped cross, now known as St. Andrew's Cross. While we know little about the holiness of Andrew, Peter and John tend to fare best among the followers of Jesus, It is enough to know that he was an apostle. He was called personally by Jesus to proclaim the good news, to heal with Jesus' power, and to share his life and death. There's more about the saints along with inspiration and Catholic resources at our website, saintoftheday.org. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day. past the hour wake up i'm david dawson along with uh, gabby smith and damian Collado. and right now we're trying to get a hold of our guests of course phone lines are acting up they're they're acting a little crazy this morning so we're working on that um <laughs> as, as a matter of fact thank, well, yeah <laughs> thank goodness you told us about saint andrew at the beginning of the show oh, because I about that. Yeah, as but, much as i love blessed miguel pro and yeah. feast of christ the king is coming up yep we now know a little bit more about both saints. So we do. Um, yeah, Franciscan media throws us a curve every now and then. They're like, nope, this is our saint of the day. So you, you, you just never know. But, uh, you know, well, we know a lot about St. Andrew. You know, he dropped his nets and followed Christ. He got yeah. Peter to come along he, with him. I mean, first. I mean, Simon, his brother Simon. So that's that's kind of huge. Well, yeah. So yeah. anyway, we're going to be talking to Krista Thomas shortly. And uh, the, the, the book is called The Road to Bethlehem, Daily Meditations for Advent and Christmas. 
and it's by St. Alphonsus Liguri. Now, I don't know if that was the original title of the book, but I can tell you, my wife and I, we're going through a lot of Advent books. We're, we're going through, what are we going to use for our you know, Advent meditations mm-hmm. around the Advent wreath? And, and they've always been very fruitful, the, fruitful the, the ones that rise to the top. Well, this one won. I mean, this one is great. So well, good. if we do get through to her, I've, I've got a, quite a few questions for her about these meditations. Cause we've Which already, one of the questions? Uh, one of the questions. Whether we get to her or not. Well, sometimes some of the books do the Gospels of the day, mm-hmm. you know, and this one is just, I, I believe it's just, that's what I was going to ask about. As any reflections on any of the readings or is it strictly just his meditations, you know? Oh, so that's see. That's what I'm curious. Okay. I'm curious about that too. And um, not only that, y'all, it goes beyond Christmas. So uh, anyway, so there. We'll see what happens when she comes along. So we okay, might as well in the meantime, talk. We got more there, stuff There's going an on. Advent event uh, while we're waiting to get a hold of her. There's an Advent event uh, taking place with prayer and song. It's going to be Sunday, December 17th at St. Peter Catholic Church, and that's in Covington. It's going to be Sunday, the 17th, as I said, from 645 to 830. It's going to be a great evening. Put that on your calendar if you want to get into the uh, spirit of Advent and at the same same time, prepare your heart for Christ for Christmas. Mm-hmm. Well, I've got one here. Uh, La Posada is coming up, and that is this Sunday, Sunday, December 3rd. And it, this is a, a Mexican tradition, y'all. And it is when uh, the, the children follow a shepherd, and they go door to door, and they're looking for the Christ child. So they sort of reenact that. This is over at the Mercedarian Prayer Center in Baton Rouge, uh, uh, Louisiana. And it is it is really cool. St. Nicholas is going to be there. They're going to be little uh, animals running yeah. around. <laughs> Not counting not the kids. I'm at, yeah, at other you little animals. Talking about yeah, the yeah. kids, right? That's what I was clarifying. <laughs> There'll be those too, but uh, they they got the little petting zoo. They've got uh, Bubbles the camel. Are you mm-hmm. kidding? I'm so there for that. They got funnel cake. Uh, they got caramel corn. It's just a lot of fun. We go there all the time. We bring our grandkids. So that is Sunday, December third, and it's going to be from three to five p.m. So it won't be too late in the evening, but it's also it's also very very yeah. nice. Wonderful you know, little gathering. You know, we're talking about today being the feast day of St. Andrew and Fisher mm-hmm. of Men. I don't think we talk enough about uh, recruiting young men to be priests uh, in anywhere we go these days. And that includes our priests. I think our priests need to be the ones also asking young men to consider the priesthood. Mm-hmm. And I say that because the seminarian count is declining on an annual basis. According to the Vatican, the number of seminaries have been decreasing for the last 10 years, mm. okay, and especially in North America and in Europe, where the number of seminarians decreased by 5.8%. It's happening in Europe, too. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, the, and the number of uh, women religious, they, too, are going down by 1.7%. They're down to 608,000 roughly nuns religious in, mm-hmm. in the world. Really? Yeah. It's it's interesting because I do see the new orders of nuns, the fully habited nuns and everything, mm-hmm. and they see, they seem to be growing. But that's just my observation. You yeah. know, nation, in our nation, you know, right. the, the, the Dominican order and such. It, it, and, and hopefully it, it is going to be a uh, something that will grow. Right. Uh, but when you look at the global aspect of things, uh, the numbers are going down. To see this resurgent of seminarians that happened about – 
uh, I want to say it was over 10 years ago. Do you remember the, the, the large crop of them coming in? Do you remember mm-hmm. the, uh, and, and, and my wife and I were talking about that and it's just that that had to be the Holy Spirit in action. So I, I, I believe that was answer to fervent prayers because they kind of just, I mean, I know John Paul, the second, uh, uh, Saint Pope, Saint John Paul, the second was a big part of that mm-hmm. as far as uh, influencing these young men and women. Well, the and leadership was, has a lot to do with it, and yeah. it starts and so it was, in each church parish, yeah. but it also starts in the family. Family is the most important. Mom and dad yes. have to be excited about their, their son uh, becoming a priest Absolutely. or possibly becoming a priest and daughter religious if mm-hmm. she if they so choose. Now, the one, one thing that is increasing, permanent deacons. They're no on kidding. the upswing, yeah. Okay. They're up by 1.1%. We have almost 50,000 uh, uh, deacons, and the majority uh, of uh, the growth is in America. You know, and those guys work so hard. I've seen them. I've kind mm-hmm. of shadowed them, and, and it's just amazing all the different things they do. I mean, I know their charism is to serve, mm-hmm. you know, and they certainly do that. Yeah. Uh, so so the, flag, the fact that there's a, a – there, they're growing. That's huge. Yes, that's huge. That's important. Seeing the, as, well, uh, and I think uh, the Archdiocese of New Orleans and, and Baton Rouge, the Diocese of Baton Rouge, Fran U University. Yes, th- there's there's a resurgence of of I think men are finally stepping up to the plate, due to the fact that there are a lot more events like our Catholic Man Night event, absolutely, uh, like uh, Men of Immaculata, mm-hmm. the Axe Retreats. Mm-hmm. These are all inspiring men to do God's work. Uh, and they realize they can do it and still have their job and their family. Yes. And, mm-hmm. and that's, that's beautiful. It is beautiful because, uh, I, and I do know, and you know more about the deacons than I do, uh, being heavily involved with that. But I, I do know that their entire family gets involved with this. Am I right? I mean, you know. Well, they have uh, to. The, the, the you have to be supportive. It's such a devotion. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's like another family member, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the the the, the spouse is is critical in in making it all work. And uh, you know, I, I ask you a question: mm-hmm. What country has the highest number of Catholics of any nation in the world? Brazil. There you go. Wow. Muy bien. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, Gabby, they speak Portuguese, do... but yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, but how do they say very good in, in Portuguese? I have no idea, actually. Oh. Well, but then we'll stick I know with they speak Portuguese. I know the countries surround them speak Spanish, but yes, they but, have a high population. Yeah, of 180 Catholics. million faithful <laughs> no in Brazil. No kidding. Okay. How do you like that? Wow. Wow, yeah. that is that is something. So. And, and and Gabby, you and I have chatted. You know, the it's interesting that Africa is actually the country that's growing the quickest when it comes to the wow. Catholic faith. Amazing, because uh, there's a lot of turmoil over in that area when it comes to Christian persecution. So I wouldn't be surprised that there uh, is a big uh, reliance on God and trusting in Him. I have to say, um, it's it's hard to watch sometimes yeah. overseas what's going on to Catholics and Christians um, really throughout the world. But that's amazing. Good fact, Damien. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, well, really you know, these hear. are things that people uh, may be not aware of. Well, and no, and I, yeah. I think it's important that we, we share what's going on in our faith. That's how our church is going to grow. Oh, absolutely. And, and so and, we, and we, I do we, know around the world, we were talking about that yesterday. There's, I mean, so many martyrs uh, going on. And Bishop Barron talked about that. He said, from the blood of the martyrs grows even mm-hmm. stronger. 
Kevin. Yeah. And that's what's going on in Africa. Well, more and, and on top of that, we need to pray. Absolutely. We, we should pray yes. daily for our priest, uh, our bishop, uh, cardinals, pope, and, and young men, seminarians. Pray that uh, we can enhance our vocations to enhance our faith. Um, last but not least, uh, y'all want to guess how priests got their uh, collars? Okay. Mm. Mm. I'm curious. I don't. This is taking me back no, to when Johnny used to quiz us really they, hard questions at 7 in the morning. They didn't, uh, they didn't want to I fool don't with know. ties, right? They didn't want to fool with ties, so they just said, look, just well, give us a... Well, I've got a, an interesting fact here. Okay. In 1624, the church at that time had come up for clerics to, to wear the garb of the cassock. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then why 1624? Well, collars were, were known that, that grow into a major fashion statement at that time. Big what? collars? Yeah, the collar uh, that the priests wear to this day. It, it helps wow. separate them from, from the regular population. Okay, because they had the big collars, and the priests probably had the little humble ones, right? Now, now that I, I can't okay. tell you. I don't have a picture of what they look like. I just envision the collar they wear today. But I'm, I'm sure I'm it has it changed it over the last four uh, centuries, <laughs> give or take. Yeah, uh, I don't anyway, mind have. Uh, but the... <laughs> I mean, I had I had those big old collars. Well, they they were wearing collars. That that was a fashion statement. The the bigger the collar, yeah, the richer your status was was, back in the day. Okay, okay, yeah. I'm talking back in the seventies. You remember those big old. Well, the I'm Roman collar, us. which I think they call today, <laughs> yes. uh, that the priests wear. Uh, it's simple, it's white, humble. it's That's square, right. and it's humble. Uh, because again, it it wasn't about status; it's about humid- humility and service. Mm-hmm. Just thought I'd share that well, tidbit I as well. Appreciate that little sixteen twenty four. Sixteen twenty four. Okay. Yeah, that's when it the four hundred anniversary is next year. You see how men will never change their uh, fashions or styles. Women do all the time. Sixteen twenty four. They're still doing the same thing. Same yeah. thing with <laughs> shoes right. too. Man, what do y'all? Man, we we have like two pairs of shoes, yeah. brown and black. You guys. Yeah, you got every color under the on sun. Shoes. That's right. I don't understand. That's that. fun. Well, we're going to. <laughs> it's uh, half past the hour on Wake Up. We'll be right back. <laughs> it is thirty-five past the hour. You are tuning your heart to the truth. I'm Gabby Smith, along with David Dawson and Damian Colano. Our next guest is, well, we have David Dawson Sr. in the studio. Our next guest is David Dawson Jr. He's the COO of Witness to Love, which is an international marriage catechumenate apostolate. And today we are talking about trying new recipes in the kitchen, cooking with your family. Dave, that can be a little terrifying sometimes. Lots of patience, (laughs) but in the end, very rewarding. Good morning. Yeah, good morning, good morning. Yeah, I think this is one of the things that, like, my wife, is, is much better at than I am at trying to come up with uh, reasons to do this. I think, um, you know, when she comes up saying, listen, I want to try something new, it's like, you know, you could, uh, or we could save that energy and just kind of treat, treat trying to survive the evening, you know? Yes. <laughs> it's, it, I, I tend to be a rain on the, on the, on the parade, you know, like a wet blanket, be like, look, I'm just trying to get through the evening. Don't, 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 don't try anything new here. Yes. Um, but I think, I think when she does, what happens is, uh, she'll pull me in, you know, and I get excited about that kind of stuff when I'm in it. If I can get into that mode, you know, if I can get in and like, okay, this is fun. This is cool. 
and then you put it on the table, the kids are like, I'm not sure. And you're like, I know it's crazy. It's an adventure. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. I think there's, there's something, it, it brings a level of like fun and adventure uh, where it typically just isn't. Like evening times, especially, or weekends, uh, if you're going to try like a new baking, you know, something that you go into a party or something like that. But I think that usually, I think our time at home tends to be defined by getting by, getting things done, making sure nobody's dying, making sure nobody's hurting each other. Um, and, and we're just, we're just managing, you know what I'm saying? Like we're, I think we're in management mode a lot of times we're at home so that we can get to the next thing or the next sleep or the next, you know, rest or something to watch the TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, meals in particular tend to be like an interruption and something to manage. Like we feel like we're restaurant owners sometimes. And I think, uh, the, the, the idea of getting creative, and trying new things, even if it's just like, look, I saw this recipe, let's just give it a shot. I don't feel like doing that yeah. today. I don't feel like fun, but like, we're going to do this because we know that on the back end of this, we'll, we'll be glad that we did, mm. you know, bring mm. the lightheartedness. Yeah. Well, and sometimes after a long day, you just want to make something real quick, but it takes dedication to cook a meal for dinner, especially for a big family. Uh, But trying new recipes, unlike you, Dave, um, or I think I can resonate with Kate in that whenever I have a new recipe, I feel like I have to announce it to the household and say, hey, there's (laughs) going to be a new recipe tonight. Here's what it is and what is in it. Wow. And sometimes there's moaning. I'm like, you got to try it. And a lot of the times it's very successful uh, with, yeah. oh, I don't like that. And, he, and I'm like, well, just try it. And if you don't like it, then you don't, you know, we'll move on from there. So, uh, but that can be hmm. something that's very brave to do, I think. See, I, uh, think, especially I think that's your mistake, Gabby, is, is, is you're saying what? what it's called and you're saying what's in it. And that right there yeah. leaves it wide open to be <laughs> shot down. You got to call it well, something like, and you, you know, know, don't tell them you're having if, turnip souffle <laughs> and it has turnips I don't in it. Don't do that. that. Call it I know something, it's not you know. Work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I know, but I also know what my family likes as well. But sometimes when I really want to get spunky in the kitchen, I'll just say, you know, this is the recipe. I'm not going to tell you what is in it, but yeah, if you, you just go. try it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the times yeah. they like it, especially right. my son. And he's asked what's in it. And I tell him and he's like, oh, my gosh, I hated that before. And now I like it. So mm-hmm. it can be kind of terrifying, though, Dave. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think I think, you know, that, that, that's certainly the one half of it is convince them. This is not pulling them into the situation, pulling them into, hey, look, we're going to give this shot. Will you help me? Uh, we've never done this before. You know, what do you, what do you think if we try that? And it's funny how that, that uh, opens the door to making them want to try new things. But I think mm-hmm. just the idea of it's an adventure. And, and I know for me growing up, I was a pretty picky eater. Um, I know I've, got, I've got half my kids are picky eaters. Um, but yeah. I found that as I grew, you know, dad, mm-hmm. you know, he, 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 he loves experimenting. Uh, mm-hmm. And so we would try things, and there was a certain value in the family of like, look, you need to give it a shot because this is an adventure. Mm-hmm. People, people do eat this. This is a food that is generally acceptable as, as edible. So you know, you might as well get. It's not going to kill you. I mean, you may like it, but like, this isn't bad for you. Yeah. And so I find myself yeah. saying those words now to the kids. It's like, look, this is an adventure. People eat these things all the time. There are millions of people in the world who like this. Mm-hmm. So just yeah. give it a shot. It's not going to actually hurt you. So that, I think, for me, growing up, was like, so now I go to a restaurant, I'm like, what's the weirdest thing on this menu? Yeah. You know, bring me one of those. Right. And so I think that oh. is so much fun. Uh, so that there's not a sense of fear. You know, food becomes a way to, like, like honestly, when it, in connection to the spiritual life, it's a way to say, like, God has, has given us, like, a infinite variety of experiences. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. And, like, to be able mm-hmm. to participate in that, to cultivate and participate 
and the awesomeness of the gift of being able to enjoy food. It's not meant to be survival. It's not meant to be, you know, led by fear or, or just kind of getting by. Right, have fun. A sense of scarcity. Yeah. It's meant to be like an abundance, an abundance of, of variety of flavors. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what we're made for. God, God wired us for that. So mm-hmm. I think we need to be leaders in our family and providing the experience of both the preparation and the eating so that you can really dive into that. It's, it's, it's easy to miss because we get yes. too busy. But, man, it's, it's such a gift. I want to take a quick poll. Dave, what is the weirdest food that you tried and liked anytime <laughs> liked, during your life? Oh, that, okay. Anytime. Yeah, I'm ask each, I want to ask everybody that question real quick. Yeah, what about right. you, Dave? Start with you. Yeah, so there's a long list. One of them that stands out to me was red bean ice cream. They wow. had that at a, a Japanese mm-hmm. restaurant. Wow. And uh, they were like, yeah, this isn't actually weird. This is pretty normal for us. And I was like, well, then you better bring me some. And so yeah, I really enjoyed that. I, 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 kept, I keep looking for it, and I can't find it, but, like, that's good stuff. Well, um, we'll talk to Blue Runner. Maybe they'll make it uh, next yeah, year you for know. you. Yeah. Yeah. How about you? What's uh, the weirdest thing? You know, honestly, yeah. I, I, I don't know because I liked everything that I, I tried, and so I, I've had so many But what's the weird weirdest thing, thing that you um, tried and liked? That you never had before. I remember the first time I tried oysters when I was a kid. Okay. And it was like, yeah. the, the texture was horrible, but it was amazing flavor. Mm. So I got over the texture <laughs> really quick. You yeah. Gavin? Calamari. 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 Yeah. Okay. I know some or, people or love it. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. like not fried, just the yeah. eggs. It just looks weird. Yeah. It's just weird. Mm-hmm. I tried it. I was pressured to do it in front of a bunch of people. And I was like, well, you know, it's calamari. But you I'll like do it. Now? So. Is that right? I don't. I no, don't like what, it. What but is I tried the weirdest it. thing that you oh, tried, that you tried that you and liked? liked? Yeah. Okay, fried calamari. I do like fried there calamari, but yeah, not that's why regular fried. calamari. Yeah, that's the you only fry way. Those okay. rubber bands. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? You haven't said anything yet. Broccoli was what I was afraid of forever. Broccoli. uh, Broccoli. And so my dad, being Italian, he says, let's put some cheese on that and see if you like it. Mm -hmm. Fell in love with broccoli. Yeah, cheese changes everything. You're right. But now I I even eat it roasted now with no cheese. I mean, gosh, it's so wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's so many ways you can eat broccoli. Here we go with the recipe. And I would have never thought in a million years I'd eat that green. Okay, I'm going to say, I'm going to say, I know, I know we have a guest, but I got to say one of the weirdest things I've ever heard was our own Jeff Blackwell, who had garlic ice cream. Said it was good, right, Jeff? What? Yep, said it was good. Yeah, I had to brush my teeth afterwards. Yeah, Yeah. 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 nobody could hang around with him for a couple days. True. True. See? All right. I didn't mean to interrupt. I just always think that's interesting that, you know, there's a food that everybody has on their list that until they tried it or at a certain time in their life, and boom, they eat it all the time. I liked it. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Well, David, we enjoyed speaking to you, maybe getting a little bit of courage on trying some new recipes in the kitchen. But uh, where can we go to find out a little bit more about what you do with Witness to Love? Sure, yeah, witnesstolove.org. It's a marriage catechumen, which means we're looking at marriage from top to bottom, from beginning to end. And uh, there's, there's such a beautiful gift there, and it's so much attention needed uh, to help families kind of connect with other families within the context of the parish and the church. There you Wonderful. Go. Thank you so much. David Dawson, Jr., COO of Witness to Love, an international marriage catechumenate apostolate. Thank you for being with us, Dave. Thank you, guys. So afterwards, right. we're going to post a recipe <laughs> for turnip souffle, right? Is that what we're going to do? I don't wow, that one, just killed so. everybody. Just gasped. I just <laughs> heard you? it. Wow. No, I'm kidding. I've never had it in my life. That sounds horrible. 
though. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think would, garlic you, ice you, cream you takes a cake. You have it on the mind for sure. Yeah, I wouldn't. I, wouldn't I think you ought to look it up and try it. Nope. Nope. Sorry. Oh, Make it. Just thought I'd throw I don't it know out about there. that. Get creative in the kitchen, as Gabby said. There you go. Be, All right. Just be a brave. Or spunky. I'm telling myself that. Spunky. Have fun. Mm, spunky in the kitchen. Experience. Spunky so, in the there kitchen. There you go. <laughs> Danielle Van Howe joins us when we return from the break. She'll be in the Baton Rouge studio talking about the Diocese of Baton Rouge Eucharistic Revival. It'll be a wonderful discussion. Stay with us. It is 45 past the hour on Wake Up. Folks, 12 minutes before the top of the hour on this Thursday morning, a happy one to you, and it is our pleasure to have with us Danielle Van Haught. She is Associate Director of Evangelization and the Diocese of Baton Rouge, here to update us on what's happening in regards to the Eucharistic revival in our diocese, but more importantly, the National Eucharistic Revival is going to be, Congress is going to be taking place, plus the pilgrimage. There's everything in this final year leading up to the focus on the Eucharist, which I think is just wonderful. Yeah, there's so much going on. It's incredible. Mm -hmm. You know, when thinking about, gosh, what are we going to focus on today? I I mean, we'll just pick these two, but there's so much. (laughs) So... One thing that there's been a lot of buzz about is the National Eucharistic Pilgrimage. Mm -hmm. So what is happening is that from four different points in the United States, Mm -hmm. New Haven, Connecticut, Brownsville, Texas, the headwaters of the Mississippi, and then San Francisco, the Eucharist will be processed. Wow culminating all of these processions in Indianapolis for the National Eucharistic Congress. All meeting at the same time? Yes. That's powerful. Yes. Yeah, yeah, they're meeting in July 17th to the 21st in Indianapolis, uh, 2024. But the pilgrimage starts two months before, roughly. So the pilgrimage, all of the four departure sites, that will happen on May 17th, through the 19th, that weekend. Mm -hmm. And then each different route Mm -hmm. will have various stops along the journey. And people will be able to join the pilgrimage maybe at a church in the evening Mm -hmm. for adoration, for mass. If you want to walk along some of the route, you're able to do that. If you want to walk along for the day, you're able to do that. Mm -hmm. And the southern route, the that, one with the leaving to us would be right, Brown, the Brownsville, leaving one, right? from Brownsville, Texas. It's mm-hmm. going to actually be in New Orleans, coming through New Orleans, mm-hmm. June seventh through the ninth. Oh, okay. Yes, St. Louis Cathedral is one of the stops. Right. So more information coming with that. The way that the route is traveling, um, they'll be going through some of the territory of the Diocese of Baton Rouge. Mm -hmm. I I don't know that they'll be in Mm. Baton Rouge 
proper. Uh, yeah, but because they can't. I no way they're going to walk along I ten. They've got to take the back right. roads, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> and you think about the logistics of this. Right? That's, that's what I was curious if about. If you've ever been involved in planning a Eucharistic procession <laughs> just around a just, block, just, just right. Oh my goodness! The yeah. permits that these groups are working on, special considerations, and now. I am not a priest, a deacon. I've never carried the Lord in a monstrance, but that gets heavy. Yeah. <laughs> so they making plans for that. There's a special kind of harness that they've created yeah. to help distribute the weight of the monstrance. So for is the majority of this going to be walking? The majority oh, yeah. will be walking, yeah. yes. Wow. That's why they're only asking for 19-year-old to 29-year-olds, if I'm not mistaken, well, primarily to, to just do made the it out of there. Yeah, that. so that's a, a special <laughs> a special group of people. Darn. <laughs> anyway. Oh, David. Um, they are called perpetual pilgrims. Mm-hmm. So they will be walking the route from the beginning to right. the end. Exactly. And yeah, and other folks kind of joining in right. Which is along nice. the way. Right. Yeah. But, and yep. to, if you want to be part of the uh, that group, the 19 to 29 year olds, mm-hmm. where it, somebody listening right now, how do they get to be a part of that? Is there a website they yeah. go to? Yeah. So okay. the best place to go is Eucharistic pilgrimage.org Eucharistic pilgrimage.org yes. and you'll find all of the information there I, I believe that the application period for those perpetual pilgrims just ended but I may be wrong so it's absolutely worth checking yeah, the website I would think so. yeah, see if it's still open that'd so. be good and they're naming yeah. each uh, route after a saint yes and ours is what Juan Diego yes okay. Juan Diego yeah. um the Unipercera route coming from California, California. the mm-hmm. Seton route coming from Hartford. New Haven, Connecticut. I mean, Con- New Haven. Yep. And then yeah. the Marion route is the one coming um, down the from the headwaters right. of yeah. the Mississippi. Yeah. Wow. Which, which I think is in the Diocese of Crookston. Um, and that's the Diocese of. Um, Bishop Cousins, who is heading up oh. the Eucharistic arrival. I mean, you know, if you're yeah. if you're heading it out, and we're like, well, let's just start here. So how wonder, I wonder how they're going <laughs> to. Well, I guess they wouldn't come down the river, but they're going to, no. to just no, come down that part of the country. Along. Yeah, okay. yeah, gotcha. that's so cool. They're, yeah. they're going to paddle boats. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> you are, uh, let's talk <laughs> about the Congress because we only have two minutes left, okay. and uh, this yes. segment's going fast. Uh, let's talk about the Eucharistic con- uh, Congress, which, as you mentioned, July seventeenth yeah. to the twenty first in Indianapolis. Yes. We have our very own Josh Johnson, Father Josh yeah, Johnson. Yeah, he'll be He's one of the MCs. MCs, yep. and he may even have a speaking uh, in, uh, note at one point. Indeed. Uh, great lineup, though. Oh, yeah, it's going to be incredible. And over 25,000 passes have already been sold, um, and they're adding more options. So for some families, for some people, they may not be able to come for the entire length of the Congress. But they are now offering day passes and weekend passes. And they just announced that children ages zero zero to 12, (laughs) little kids, right, up to ages 12, yes, are free. So... What wow. is the cost? So do you know? Yeah, there's there's different price options. Like the regular price. If I wanted to go all five go, days, I think it's two seventy or up to three fifty. Okay. So, but there are options if you're going with a group, if your parish okay. is bringing a group, if you wanna head up a group. Oh, these speakers. 
to go see oh, these guys. Yeah. This is you, Father Michael mm-hmm. Smith, Josh Johnson, mm-hmm. Bishop Barron, Chris Stefanik. I mean, that's yeah. just mm-hmm. some of them. Oh, cool. exactly. Yeah. And what's amazing, yeah. I did not realize this until I researched mm-hmm. the National Eucharistic Congress is the first one in the United States in 83 years. Yes. So this is the 10th annual National Eucharistic Congress. The last one was, I think, in Philadelphia, and it was mm-hmm. actually an international Eucharistic Congress. That's right. It was. Yeah. And New Orleans hosted one of the National Eucharistic Congresses in... When? That is... Let oh, me we got tell it. you. Okay. Um, well, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, oh, 19... In 38. Oh, wow. In New Orleans. Orleans, Over 65,000 people attended. Thank you so much for being with us. I hate to wrap this up, but we're at the end of the show and and we're getting the signals. But we'll have you back and we'll talk some more. (laughs) Sounds great. uh, About as we get closer to the Eucharistic Congress and the pilgrimage. Absolutely. Okay. Take care. Thank you. All right. Today being the feast day of St. Andrew, we're going to wrap up with a prayer. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Almighty God, Father, and Holy Spirit, thank you for your great love for us. Help us to know, love, and serve you above all others. Fill our hearts and minds with a deep knowledge and love of the real presence of Jesus and the Blessed Sacrament. St. Andrew, intercede for us. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. That prayer, by the way, is the prayer for the Eucharistic Congress. Is it really? Mm-hmm. Very nice. Even St. Andrew cool. interceding for us. No, I added that. Oh, That's good, right. good. Okay. All right. Nice touch. <laughs> nice, nice touch. touch. Yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Thank you guys so much for being with us. We have a great lineup for you tomorrow. Starting off with the Knights of Columbus, they'll be giving us an update of what they're up to in the month of December. Tom Costanza joins us, Executive Director of the Louisiana Conference of Catholic Bishops. He has a lot of information that he will give us details about. Emily Malloy will talk about theology of the home, arranging the seasons, and Dr. Stanton McNeely from the University of Holy Cross will be with us as well. Have a wonderful Thursday. God bless. is a production of Catholic Community Media.